Good morning again. Welcome to those of you online joining us from your homes, wherever you are. I'm so glad you're with us. So we're in week nine, working through the gospel of Mark um, in this series called New. As we're looking at these um, stories of Jesus told by people that had encounters with him every single day. And we're asking this really, really important question that we've been asking through this whole series is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And I love the way Mark does that because it seems like strategically he places people on the witness stand to allow them to give testimony as to what they saw and heard from this man named Jesus. Last week we began kind of this new section where these stories are kind of hemmed together. One where Jesus calms the storm. Then we have, um, excuse me, a possessed man, a man possessed by demons, a dead girl, and a sick woman. And so this little section has some themes that are woven into it. Faith and fear, desperation, and death. And each of these stories has these three themes throughout them. As people are confronted in these moments of desperation where they are scared for their life. And so last week where we got to is we've walked through this book and this gospel. We've seen people with diseases healed. A man with leprosy. A paralyzed man. We've seen people with demons cast out of them. We've seen people who have, um, are in the midst of disaster, who are fearful for their life in the midst of a storm. And we've had people confronted with death. And last week, um, we, we got to this point where we said, in these stories, we have demons that have submitted to Jesus. We have disaster as Mother Nature is calmed, disease that's submitted to Jesus, and even death itself has submitted to Jesus. Everything in all of creation has submitted to King Jesus, except for you and me. Everything in all creation has submitted to his voice and to his rule and reign. The only thing left in all of creation that is fully not fully and finally submitted their life to Christ is you and me. Because we like to be in control. And the reason this question, who is Jesus, is so incredibly important, because no matter where you are in your journey, you need to be reminded of the answer to this question. Because for some of you, You haven't even made up your mind. You're trying to figure out the answer to this question, who is Jesus? But many more of you in this room have decided you know who Jesus is. And yet you still struggle every single day to submit to him. There's some of you who are angry right now at the cultural chaos in our world. And the political strife. Others of you are scared to death by it. There are other people in this room who are broken and hurting because of the past year. Maybe events related to all of that or COVID-19. Maybe things completely outside of that scope. 
Maybe some of you are apathetic because you've realized that, man, I just, I don't know that I can do anything about it, so I'm just not going to care. But regardless where you are in that journey, regardless of how you would answer that question, this question, who is Jesus, has the potential to calm the storm. It has the potential to speak into the darkness and into the wind and the waves, into the darkness, and say, peace, be still. And my guess is, there's a lot of people in this room that need to be reminded of the answer to this question on a regular basis. And the reason I I know that is because I know it's true about me. I know I struggle every single day with submitting and giving up control. And so through these stories, as Mark shares in his gospel, one of the pictures that he wants you to grasp and understand, he wants you to see Jesus as a healer. Okay, Jesus goes to a man with leprosy, and he touches him, and he is healed. He speaks to a man who is paralyzed, and he is healed. He is confronted with people who have demons within them, and he speaks into their life, and they are healed. Mark wants you to see Jesus as a healer, but not just simply of these physical ailments. He wants you to see Jesus as the healer of the most contagious disease of all, sin. What is it that's more contagious than COVID? Sin. What is the disease that every single person on earth throughout the history of the world has contracted and still struggles to break free of? Sin. And so Jesus is the one who enters into these stories, not just healing of these physical ailments, but truly setting people free from sin. And this is so important because in our minds, so often we think about Jesus almost from the standpoint of a lawyer. Right? We need someone who will be the advocate, who will stand in our behalf. And so sin becomes this legal problem that needs to be solved. But I think the bigger picture through Scripture, and especially in Mark's gospel, sin is not a legal problem to be solved solely but rather sin is a sickness of the soul. Sin is something that in each and every one of us we struggle to break free of and something we struggle to be healed from. Jesus says in in Mark chapter 2, we looked at several weeks ago, it's not the healthy, right, who need a doctor. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So, so who did Jesus come for? It's not the people who say, well, I, you know, I've got it all together. I've got it figured out. I fixed my sin problem. Jesus came for those who said, I'm drowning in sin. And I don't know how to break free from it. But our mentality is so often this, we can fix it. We can fix it ourselves. We can make it work. We can figure out how to break free from sin. But here's the problem. Sin breaks down relationship. 
Above everything else, sin breaks down relationship. It breaks down relationship between you and God, and it breaks down relationship between you and others. And at the very core of Jesus' message is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. It's because sin breaks down those relationships. And so to love God is to break free from that sin in some way. And our mentality is, okay, we can fix it. Let's see, what, is it, what does it say the sin is? Okay, gossip, okay, not, not going to do that. Lying, let's, let's not do that. Drunkenness, let's not do that. Pornography or, or sex outside, let's not do that. There, there, there's the sin. So here's our way. Don't do it. Right? Just stop. Stop. How many people, and you don't have to show hands, I'll, I'll just do it myself. How many people have ever struggled with a sin that they made a decision I'm not going to do that anymore. And then found themselves, the next time they turned around, doing the very thing they said they wouldn't do. Okay, this is is the day I'm no longer going to look at pornography. And then find themselves defeated because the second that urge hit, they found themselves there again. I'm I'm not going to gossip Or tell those little white lies and stretch and exaggerate the truth. But the opportunity presents itself and you find yourself back in the same place you said you would not be again. See, if the problem was simply just learn what to do and what not to do and stop, there would be no need for Jesus other than the lawyer side, to stand in your behalf and fix the legal problem when you mess up. But if sin is not simply just a legal problem to be solved, it's really a sickness of the soul, we need something different than just a lawyer. We need a great physician. We need someone to heal us. But all of us have this inner control freak. This side that we like to be in control and we like to be in charge and we like to Fix it. Any fixers in the room? Any control freaks in the room? No. Yeah, all the hands are like. Yeah. yeah. That's true about all of us from the cradle to the car. There is this pursuit of independence, this pursuit to be in charge. And the, the strange thing. I guess it's not really strange, it's just we get conditioned for it. The older we get, the more in control we feel. As you get older and now the bank account, the checkbook's in your name. And now you have the keys to the cars and now it's your house and you get to make the rules. Which is what your parents told you when you were growing up. And you get to decide where you go. We have this sense of control. And it's really hard as we gain that control to give up control. So, these two next stories that are kind of hemmed together with those three themes, fear and faith, desperation and death, begin like this. When Jesus, verse 21, 
When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went on with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed in around him. Jarius's desire is that his daughter, who was sick and dying, would be healed. And this word sozo in the Greek shows up three separate times in these stories. And it means to be healed, to be made well, and to be set free. Almost as sin and death is something that holds you captive that you need to be set free from. But one of the things that sickness does is sickness like nothing else. And we can talk about 2020 and how that made us feel like we have a lack of control. Sickness, I think like nothing else, really brings you to the realization that we don't have control. Sickness is the thing that you have to go to someone else to be healed from. Sickness is the one thing that you need someone else to help you to overcome. Because if you could just make yourself well, there's an entire industry that would not need to exist. There's a lot of people who wouldn't have jobs if you could just say, I know I have cancer, but I don't want to have cancer anymore. I know I'm sick. I don't want to be sick anymore. There's a whole lot of people that would be out of work. And so this man, Jarius, comes to Jesus, the healer, so that he will come and heal his daughter, that he will make her well, that he will set her free. Moving on, as they're going, a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered, at the great, suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. So there's this crowd pressing in around Jesus, wanting to touch him. And there is a lady in the crowd who has this disease, this sickness, this uncleanliness who should not be around other people, especially in close proximity. And there she is, and the other Gospels talk about her crawling. But she's making her way through the crowd just simply to touch his clothes because she believed that she touched the hem of his garment. She would be healed. That she would be set free. And Mark includes these details. She's 
been under the care of many doctors. She's gone to many people outside of herself to heal her. And in fact, she spent everything she had. It's Mark's way of saying she has done everything within her power to fix the problem, and she could not. She's done all that she could do within her own power to fix the problem, and yet instead of fixing the problem, she's only gotten worse. She spent all she had. See, here's the the deal. When we throw our mentality into the mix, it's just try harder. Right? For, for this lady, for Jerry, it's just try a little bit harder. But here's what we understand about sickness. Sickness is not your fault. And I understand there, there, there may be some things that we do that don't help our health. But the sickness is not your fault. I mean, have you ever walked into a doctor's office coughing? I've <clears throat> got this cough I can't get rid of, and I have a headache, and I have a fever. And your doctor put his hands in his pocket and just start pacing. How? In the world, could you let yourself do this? Why would you get sick? My my hope is, and Dr. Hadi, I hope this is not your practice. (laughs) My hope is, if that was the case, you would walk out of that doctor's office and go find a different doctor. You don't walk into a cancer specialist And him look at you and say, well, that's stupid. You shouldn't have gotten sick. It doesn't work that way. But yet that's our mentality, I think, so often when it comes to sin. What if? What if sin is not just simply a legal problem to be solved, but rather a sickness of the soul? And what we need more than anything is a great physician. But we struggle to see sin as a problem we are incapable of fixing. I do. I'll just tell you right now. I see sin, especially in my life, as something that I am capable within my own power of fixing. And even more so in your life. Because we look at other people and we say, well, I know how you fix the problem. And here's the thing. We usually point out how to fix the problem in other people's lives with the sins we don't struggle with. You know, I might have the problem with pornography, but let's talk about your problem with gossip. I know how to fix that. I might have a problem with being unfaithful to my wife, but let's go talk about your problem with debt and greed. We we like to talk about the things that don't affect us in the way they do other people. But regardless of how that sin specifically 
comes out in your life. The problem is below the surface. The problem is not just simply fix it. And what we need, more right now than we need a lawyer, is we need a great physician. How many times have you been around people as they pray? And you're praying for healing in someone's life, and you hear people say, God, we need you, the great physician. Someone's sick. Someone has cancer. Do you ever hear someone pray that prayer when we talk about our struggle with sin? We need the great physician to bring physical healing. But I think Mark wants us to see that we need the great physician, not just simply for our physical healing, but for our spiritual healing. Because sin is a sickness of the soul. We, we don't make that equation. We, we don't look at someone who is sick and say, well, it's because of sin. They, they did back in the day. There, there was a blind man in John 9, right? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says, no, 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 it wasn't about that. But sin is a sickness. It is a sickness of the soul. So the story continues, verse 30. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. It's your faith Your belief that I could heal you, that has set you free. Your belief that you would pursue me far enough and go to enough lengths that my power would come into your life and that you would be healed. Skipping down to verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, and John. So he's continued this journey. This lady's been healed. He's continued the journey on to Jairus' house. But his daughter has died. And so he says, let's just leave. But Jesus insists. He did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead, but asleep. But he laughed at him. And after he put them all out, 
He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished, and he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat which I kind of find comical. There's a whole bunch of people outside of the house wailing, mourning this loss. And tomorrow morning, they're going to see this 12-year-old girl outside of her house. Don't tell anyone. But when you can see resurrection, there is no need to announce it. It will always make itself known. Both stories, Jairus and his daughter and the woman with bleeding, are these stories where people both need healing because they have lost all control and have no ability to heal themselves. They need someone outside of themselves to take control. But here's what I know about you, because it's true about me. We struggle to give up control when it's taken from us. This past year, as some of our control has been taken, we've struggled with it. But I think what's even more difficult than struggling when control is taken from us is when we have control and we willingly give it up. When, when we surrender our control, when we let go of our control. But, but what Jesus does on the cross is he empties himself of all his power. He gives up his control so that God can show his power, so that God can demonstrate for all of us his power, and that we would see the good news that we call gospel. Because at its core, gospel is a story of death and resurrection. And one thing we know is resurrection will always saturate everything surrounding it. Resurrection will saturate everything surrounding it. And so when the resurrection and the life walks into the room, the little girl rises. When the resurrection and the life walks into a crowd and someone touches the hem of his garment, she is healed. When the resurrection and the life walks, walks into the midst of the storm in the waters and says, peace, be still, everything is silent. and Everything submits to his voice. Everything bows to his rule and reign. So are we praying for the great physician to come and heal us, to set us free. You, you don't go to a doctor, someone who is a great physician, who just wants to fix the symptoms. A great physician is someone who gets to the root of the problem, who wants to fix the root cause of those symptoms. 
You see, our hope is not that we would change our behavior and become more Christ-like, but that we would be crucified with Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. It is to surrender. It is to give up control so that Christ will invade your life. He will saturate every part of you so that you are raised into a new life and you walk in a different way, a way set free, a way healed, a way where you see that sozo manifest itself in your life. And what we know about resurrection When you are the one resurrected, resurrected, resurrection will always saturate everything surrounding it. But our problem, as we said earlier, is we struggle to see sin as a problem we are incapable of fixing. We know what not to do. But if it were that simple, we wouldn't need to be healed. But to see other people, and here's what we struggle, we see other people as the problem. To see other people as the problem is to see yourself as the solution. Right? We, we struggle with sin, and let's just put that aside. It's, it's the other people that are the problem. If, if they would just act like me, If they would just learn to be and and know what I know, if they would believe what I believe, then everything would be right. But to see other people as the problem is to see yourself as the solution. And you are not the solution. Jesus is. Because the problem is sin, and it is a problem that we are incapable of overcoming on our own. It's not that we just need Christ to come into our life to change our behavior. It's that we need to be crucified with him so that he would now live in us. We don't just simply need a lawyer to fix the legal problem. We need the great physician to heal the sickness in our soul. So we ask this question, who is Jesus? And one of the things you'll notice throughout Mark's gospel is the demons are answering it by shuddering at his voice and bowing before him. But it's people, it's people who struggle with the answer. And Jesus finds himself in his hometown immediately after these four stories. Again, with people questioning and doubting. And he starts, they start asking these questions. Where? Where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And here's what happens. And they took offense at him. That they're confronted 
with Jesus. And they're confronted with the question, who is Jesus? And they're asking all of these questions, and they're doubting, and they're wondering. Yet everything in Mark's gospel, all of creation, the demons have submitted to his voice, disease has submitted to his voice, disaster has been calmed, death has run Everything in all of creation has submitted to King Jesus, except for you and me. I know for a large portion of our audience this morning, you would say, I've already made that decision to submit. But understand this, this is not a one-time decision. This is a daily decision, sometimes multiple times throughout the day decision, that I am surrendering my control and submitting to your rule and your reign because I need to be healed. See, see, most of us, we're, we're here enough that we come in and we don't see ourselves as the one that needs to be healed because of a sickness within our soul. But remember Jesus' words. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. It's you and I that are reminded that we need someone outside of ourself to step in and bring healing to our life. I'm just ask you to bow with me. Father, we struggle. Because the simplicity of it seems like something we can handle. Here's what we should not do. Let's just stop. But Father, we've tried. And we played that game for far too long. We know, Father, that we are sick. And we need the great physician to come and heal the sickness in our soul. And we struggle so much to see ourselves like that because, Father, we think we do all the things right as we should. But, Father, every single day we fall short of your glory. Every single day we are people who are sinful and need to be set free. Every single day we are the sick and the needy and we need to touch the hem of your cloak. Father, come and heal us. And Father, help us every single day that once again we would submit our lives to you.
God, here, here it is. It's not much. The, the faith is so weak and I struggle so badly, but Father, I need you. Not to come and fix my behavior, but Father, to come in and fix my soul. For me to surrender all that I am and all that I have, giving it to you so that you will come and heal and that your spirit would live in me and empower me to be your resurrection in this world. Father, help us as your children to see you as the solution to the greatest problem the world has ever known, sin. And as the greatest problem that has ever entangled us, Father, we pray this morning for those who are struggling regardless of of where you are. Whether it's seeing everything happening in our culture and struggling with peace, whether it's struggling with sin and addiction and not being able to break free, whether it's the loss and hurt of people that you love and are close to, and so many things that have been lost in the past year in our life, Father, we need you to come and heal. So Father, today, again, We surrender all that we have, all that we are, and ask you to come and heal us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.